Hello, David Penn here, welcoming you back to the next episode of the Professor Penn Podcast. Glad to be here again. Hope you're glad too. We're living in very wild times, so every day is a blessing. And I want to start off the podcast, as always, by thanking Free People Radio. Uh, Target.com, our sponsor. We have many sponsors in the in the pipeline, but Tire gets first. We all buy tires. You buy them from Target.com. 15,000 different kinds of tires, everything you need. Buy them there and fund the movement because we need to have a patriot economy. You know, this whole concept of being unconscious, that's the opposite of being raised in a secret society, which is a continuation. We're going to talk about secret societies. It doesn't have to be a secret. You have to be aware. Awareness, number one, aware. Be aware that if you spend your money with companies that are interested in clipping you out, you're actually feeding the beast. Why do that? There's many small businesses and businesses of all kinds of sizes that are dedicated to their customers, dedicated to customer service, dedicated to the well-being of their customers. They want to make friends and be part of a community with their customers. Those are the people we want to support. That's the people I want to support. That's like Target.com. This is a company that will be there to serve you. And then please always get involved in the game of politics. This is an all-hands-on-deck moment. PrecinctStrategy.com. PrecinctStrategy.com for a tutorial about how to get in the game and get a seat at the table. So thank you. Here we are again uh, talking about secret societies. And um, how do they get this done? That's what I'm trying to get to here. We're closing out the first series about how did we get to where we are. We've got to look at how they did this because we're $32 trillion in debt. $32 trillion in debt. $32 trillion. And that's just what on, what's on the books. We're like $150 trillion in debt if you consider all the liabilities that we've taken on as the American people, as we the people. We are debt slaves. We have been enslaved to a culture of debt. Those of you who think this is an accident, God bless you. I am burdened with the belief and the knowledge that this was very specifically done to me because I'm in that system and I know how it works. It's another secret society, the system of high finance, out to parasitize me. Okay. There it is. We got to deal with things. We got to get out, get it on the table. Who are the people that brought us here? How did we get here? And what are we going to do with them? So let's just run this through in our mind. If you, these people, we're figuring this out. You know, you know this, I know this. There's thousands of people podcasting. Millions of people are coming into awareness now, which it's a little late, okay? Some of us knew this in the 90s. Some of us knew it in the 50s. Some of us knew it even earlier than that. Because when the camel gets his nose under the tent, some of us over the last 100 years were able to extrapolate where this was headed. Just like we realized that, you know, Sir Bertrand Russell, who we're going to talk about again, we talked about him last time, he was working on artificial intelligence in the 50s. Doesn't that seem bizarre that they had this idea 
almost 100 years ago, and they've been funding it and working at it and developing PhDs in their secret societies at the universities, specifically to evolve Homo sapiens and solve the problem of human suffering by eliminating humans. Hey, they got a plan, right? They got a plan. Well, we're living our daily lives and raising our kids and going to the ball game and going to the grocery store, going to the mall, sitting on our easy chairs, looking at the grass grow. These people are trying to figure out how to get rid of me. I don't appreciate it. The sentiment, the human, the humanity in me, the, 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 the base human in me says, hang these people on television at 9 o'clock on a Friday night, public hanging, because it would disincentivize Darwinists from trying to kill everybody in the future. You know, that runs through my mind. It probably runs through your mind. But if they know we're going to hang them, there's nothing to disincentivize them from blowing up the whole world. Because remember, these people are wealthy. They have a place to go when the nuclear bombs start blowing up. They have security forces that are with them. They have, they've built their, their forts and their redoubts where they're going to go and live it the high life while we're on the surface of the earth killing each other for a crust of bread, okay? And they think that's funny, right? Look at these dummies. That's what they think. We're stupid. So when we get onto them, and we are getting onto them, I mean, it's very obvious, and that's why I keep saying, please do your own work. Please, please put down entertainment and entertain yourself by doing your own research because you're going to find it, okay? And when you find it, you're going to get off that couch and you're going to get in the game because you're going to realize they're coming to kill you. And when you realize that, hey, hey, everything takes its own natural way. But if we, if we tell these people and we're filled with revenge and we tell them in our actions and what we write, what we say, that we're coming for them, we're incentivizing them to blow everything to smithereens to protect themselves. But you know when they do that, it's very uncertain for them also. These people cling to life because they don't believe in an afterlife. They don't believe in God. They want to stay alive forever. That's their plan. That's where they're heading with their technology. They're afraid of death. We're all afraid of it, but they're really afraid of it. They want to live forever. So when we tell them we're going to imprison them or execute them, we're encouraging them to destroy everything, even though it's a chance. They're taking a big chance to do that. Because what if there's, you know, roving bands of really pissed off people that track them down and torture them to death? You know, that's, that's in their mind because they know, hey, you know, we've seen this before, right, in the Frankenstein movies, pitchforks and torches. Here they come. Here comes those crazy uh, regular people. You know, if you don't keep them under control, they could kill you. So they're, they're, they're calculating here. What would their calculation? Let's give them an alternative. You know, one of the most beautiful things that's happened in my lifetime was when South Africa uh, overthrew the apartheid government uh, led by Nelson Mandela and uh, Reverend Desmond Tutu. It was, a, you know, a hundred years of trying to, to correct a, a racially Darwinist, racially motivated Darwinist extraction of wealth and suppression of people, you know, just terrible. And it took those people in South Africa a hundred years, maybe more. I mean, I, 
probably hundreds of years, as long as the colonizers were there because it was a colony. It took them a long time to overthrow that colonial yoke. Part of the process of decolonization, part of the, uh, the, the series of events that were triggered by the Atlantic Charter, which we've talked about. Go read the Atlantic Charter. You know, it was signed by, by the United States and England, and, and Roosevelt forced Churchill to sign it. Otherwise, no aid against the Nazis. So sign here or die. That's how this thing got going, this process of decolonization. Because as I've said, Roosevelt was a leftist. You know, he believed in the self-determination of all people. And he believed in God. Great guy. Go listen to his stuff. People malign him now. Boy, when I hear him talk about we, we reject any philosophy that uh, aggrandizes the power of the strong at the expense of the weak, and then in the next sentence he starts praising God, Roosevelt deserves another look, okay? And he, he got the, the British to decolonize. You know, you know, he had them in a corner, and he made them give it up. And that South African decolonization was part of that process. And, um, you know, there was hatred there, okay, because these, these people in South Africa were really sorely abused, murdered. You know, you could even say it was genocide. In fact, I will say there was genocide there, racial genocide. And... Um, when you have a society like that where you have the majority of the people on one side of the equation and the rulers are on the other side and there's not that many of them and suddenly they're not in power. Well, you got the revenge factors coming now, right? And of course in South Africa today there's you know this this thing that 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 uh, Mandela started in Tutu started it's breaking down and you're getting that kind of revenge factor there. But right when South Africa changed from an apartheid nation to a more democratically orientated nation. What, what Mandela and Tutu uh, put in place, what they called was the Truth Commissions. And the Truth Commissions allowed members of secret societies in the South African government, military and police, which is another secret society. Of course, unless you're a policeman or high-ranking in the military, then you know it's a secret society. They set up commissions, and they said to these people who had perpetrated horrifying crimes, including murder, murder, rape, the worst kind of human crimes, they said to them, if you'll come before these commissions and tell us the truth, tell us the truth of how your secret societies parasitized the people, and turn the people into inventory and abuse the people and stole their well-being and their dignity. If you'll explain what you did and how you did it and who ordered you to do it and why you did it, if you'd bring this out into the light, you'll be a free man or a free woman, as the case may be. I can't think of something more appropriate for this time where we have so many people on a worldwide basis complicit in this Darwinist plot. And nay, I say it, the secret society of the Darwinists is anti-Christian, which is known as Satanism. A religion of humanism, which aggrandizes the human intellect and removes God from the equation of human affairs. 
Wouldn't it be appropriate to allow these people, when the worm turns, give them away, as they say in China, to walk off the stage and down a stair. Give them an exit ramp so we don't encourage them to genocide. Let them come, because wouldn't it be great if these people that were acculturated into secret societies explained to us, regular people, how it is the world has come to be the way it is? Explain it to me. I'm going to listen. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to imprison you. I want you to step up before the people. Think of the gripping reality television that would be. Man, we would all be on the edge of our seats if somebody showed up and said, uh, yes, I was actually uh, trained in a satanic uh, re religion. And my goal in life is to destroy Christianity on this planet and replace it with a technocracy and then remove human population and evolve the species into a new kind of artificial intelligence and biotechnology, bioengineered reality, which is not carbon-based. Come on. Come on. Don't just write it down in obscure places where people have a hard time finding it. Come on, national television. Tell me all about it, okay? Please, please, don't make it so difficult for the average American citizen to find the truth. Make it easy. And if you do that, hey, you can't stay here. you got to go to the island. We'll have places for these people. We want to isolate them because they're never going to give up, okay? That's the key. Remember in the last episode we were talking about the Soviets that defeated the Nazis mano a mano, that Darwinist, eugenicist, secret society, Nazism, perfect secret society. They had the dopest costumes. Man, have you ever seen better military uniforms than the SS? These people look so fly. Hey, I mean, come on. You know, did you know you go boss? of design fame, actually designed those costumes. I mean, come on, this is fantastic. They had symbols like the deaths had. These people had a secret society going. And they were a eugenicist society with positive eugenics, where they actually bred supermen, the Aryan race. They had breeding programs. Pretty good deal. You know, pretty good deal if you get to pick. Oh, here's 10 of the most beautiful 18-year-old girls. Hey, they might have even been younger. I suspect they probably were because these people were not following the rules. They had a different kind of rule in mind. Did you see all this pedophilia bouncing around our society? This is called a rebound. The Soviets put these people down. They put them down. They beat them. And what did we do here in the United States? Do we have truth commissions? Do we let these people explain their culture? of eugenics, and of genocide. No, we didn't do that. We had the Nuremberg trials. We hung some poor bastards as a totem to the past. And you know, they're kind of a, just a symbol. Hey, you do this, you're going to get hung. And then what did we do? We imported into our country in Operation Paperclip thousands and thousands, maybe tens of thousands. We'll never know, maybe hundreds of thousands of these eugenicists right into our government, right into our universities. Do you think they gave up what they believed? No. They spent the rest of their lives teaching their students to clip us out.
<laughs> it's really, I mean, you have to ask yourself, was this an accident? Was our government really this stupid? I mean, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. And I don't like to speculate. Sorry to laugh like that, but I laugh at myself. I am not going to get inside someone's head and make up for them what they had in their mind. Let's go find it, and we'll read it, and we'll, we'll, we'll know what was written down. So I'm really, I really like this idea of the Truth Commission, and I think we need to talk about it more and more because we're on the verge of getting to the bottom of this stuff as a society. We're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. What's the new news? Tucker Carlson's thrown off Fox. Okay, great. What's he going to do? He's going to go start his own media. He's going to have his own podcast, and 100 million people are going to watch him talk about this. So I've got this audience, which I'm growing, and I, if you like the material, please send it out, particularly if you're in Minnesota, because I believe in, in local governance, and we are making an impact here in Minnesota. We do have a big following in Minnesota, and I wanted to make it tens of thousands of people here in Minnesota under the rubric of well-being in the organization Free People of America. And we're operationalizing this because we want to change Minnesota. We all need to change our own backyards, okay? Let's not get, you know, if, if we're chosen to change the world, great. But what we can do is change our family, our neighbors, our friends, the communities that we live in. We have to, we have to speak out. Let's not let that, don't talk about religion and politics. Where's that gotten us? Okay? Who put that judgment in everybody? Which goes to my next subject. Subject. Who put a judgment in us that we're a divided country 50-50? What kind of scam is that? You know, I was thinking about that after the last after the last uh, podcast. You know, we have all these elections, and it's, you know, it's a narrow, thin margin. It's just a razor-thin razor margin. Just a few votes is the difference. <laughs> Come on. This is intentional. It occurs to me this is intentional. No, I can't prove it. So this is me making up a meaning. But why is it that we're 50-50? Why are we divided as the American people like the British divided the Sunnis and the Shias? Why is that? Secret societies. My th and I'm going to work on this with you. My theory of the case is, is that the people in these secret societies are so well-trained and so influential that they can arm both sides and set them one against the other such that while we're killing each other, they're walking out with all the gold through the back door. And that's what's been going on, right? We hate each other. We have no unity in our country. And even within the parties, they hate each other. You know, got this new Bobby Kennedy movement in the D Democrat Party. Oh, he's going to be hated. President Biden uh, announced that he's going to seek re-election today. Susan Rice from the Obama administration, she resigned on the same day. Why? because they don't want him to run again, because he's vulnerable. The Democrat Party is divided against itself. They'll figure out how to use it. They'll figure it out. The Republican Party we we're talking about is divided against itself. So the two polities, the two ends of the spectrum are divided against themselves, and then we're divided against each other. Everybody's fighting everybody. In the meantime, in the meantime, we're going to get into this Sir Bertrand Russell again. It's a good time to read his... Uh, one of my Sir Bertrand Russell favorites. I read it last time, but it bears a second pass. Sir Bertrand Russell, the seminal thinker of the 20th century, the leader, the lead bull, 
the big dog. Everyone followed this guy. Now, I know you don't know who he is, but for the intellectual tradition that you're paying for your children to go learn, it doesn't come any bigger in the last 150 years. He's the man. Gradually, he says, gradually. That means slowly. Think of the Fabian Society we talked about. Russell was hung up with those Fabians, and the Fabians talked about radical change gradually because these people are smart. They got a plan. Gradually, by selective breeding. Doesn't that sound rather eugenicist, selective breeding? Selective breeding, come on. Doesn't come, like human beings are racehorses, right? The congenital difference between the rulers and the ruled will increase until they become almost different species. So what he's saying is uh, this great lion of the academic tradition. What a leader. What an example. Let's breed rulers that are so different congenitally, you know, in their genetics, in their meat. They're so different that they're like a different species from the people they rule. Whoa, whoa. I said global governance is too far from our neighborhoods. We need to have our governance locally, close to where I live, because when, you know, it's way out there, you know, in some kind of global structure, those people have a great life. They really don't know how I'm living, nor do they care, because they forget who they are and what they are and where they came from. Well, what Russell is saying, let's make those leaders a completely different species. Then they have absolutely no interest in what we the people are thinking and feeling, because they're different. And under that circumstance, a revolt of the people would become as unthinkable as an organized insurrection of sheep. I'm a sheep against the practice of eating mutton. This is the lead guy. This is what I'm paying for my daughter to learn. I'm so angry about it. I'm going to keep my voice, and I'm going to tell you. We have to change this, and we've got to ferret it out root and branch. I want these people in front of a truth commission at Harvard University, at Yale University, at Columbia University. I want them to tell the American people what they've been up to in those secret societies, what they've been studying, what they've been creating, what are their goals, so that we can know and make a decision and we can really get beyond this because this is genocidal. So this 50-50 thing, I think somebody put us up to this. I don't have the proof. I'm making up a story in my mind. But I'm going to go research it because I think the money is going to both sides of the equation, just like we arm both sides of a conflict. Because, hey, while they're fighting and killing each other, we can do anything we want to do. And that's what's going on. That's what's going on. And it all comes from these secret societies, and that's why we're talking about secret societies. Ukraine, that comes out of a secret society. The Nazis, the Soviets, NATO, global governance, the UN, the U.S. government, these are all secret societies. Now, I said last time, just posted up Monday, that the Ukrainian air defense had been degraded, and it has been. And guess what was announced yesterday? 
U.S. Patriot missile systems are now active in the Ukraine. That's our best anti-aircraft missile system, the Patriot. Nice name, the Patriot. So what we've done is we've been the cavalry. The Ukrainians are on their last legs. Time to cut a deal. But no, we're giving them a higher level of weaponry so that they can remove Russian air superiority. That would be called an escalation. That's an escalation. Where do you go from here? Nuclear war. Okay, nuclear war. That's we the people. You and I paid for this. You and I supported it. You and I are in on it, and I am going to revolt against it. I'm going to go into my next political gathering and say, are we supporting the war in the Ukraine, or are we for human well-being? I want to know. I want these people to go on the record because I want to know who I'm hanging around with. And if they tell me they're for the war in the Ukraine, I'm going to have the opportunity to use the most eloquent oratory that I have, all my knowledge, all my skills, and all my powers to convince these people that they've erred, that they've been misled. And we'll take a vote. And if I lose, I lose. I lose the vote. But at least I know who these people are. And that's what you need to do with the people you're hanging around with. Ask them. We need to start asking each other, do we want to die on this hill? Because that's precisely what these eugenicists have in mind for us. Death on this hill. Right? I'm reading you the evidence. It would be as unthinkable as an organized insurrection of the sheep against the practice of eating mutton. I'm a sheep. No, I'm not. See, they didn't plan on this. You're a smart person. You're a strong person. Exercise your human will, and now we're talking about secret societies. And what is a secret society? It is a, a group of people, an organization, which is transmitting a vision something in someone's mind that was new. It had never been brought forth into the world. It was a new idea, and it was a radical idea. It was a non-orthodox idea, and to make it into a reality took a long-range plan. It took the preservation of the idea through ritual. It took the preservation of the tradition, of the history, transmitted from one group, the elders, down to the youngers, and that was done in a ritualistic kind of a way, such that the ideas become enduring. Enduring. This is a very key concept in Asian culture. Uh, they call it inne in Korean, jinne in Chinese. It means endurance. Nobody can get anything done without endurance. It's about doing something repetitively, and enduring against obstacles. This takes training, and it takes a process where your well-being or your energy is developed in a way that gives you the strength and the motivation to implement the goals of the society, like we talked about the Fabian Society, which was an English communist group that believed in radical change through gradual incremental um, alterations of society. Tanner, can you play this uh, first uh, clip here, this ritual piece from Eyes Wide Shut? It's uh, a little bit uh, stylish. 
Good evening, sir. Good evening. Password, sir? Good day, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Okay, Tanner, that's good. Thank you very much. That's from uh, the famous uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, it was a very interesting, and it was a disturbing movie. And obviously that's uh, a depiction of, a, of a, a filmmaker's mind about what a satanic ritual might be like. And a couple of interesting things. Number one, nobody comes late to that kind of a party, okay? And in the subsequent part of the movie, you know, this Tom Cruise character gets found out and he's in big trouble. Nobody's late, okay? That's number one. Nobody shows up late for that kind of a party. You show up late, you're dead. Number two, they don't wear masks, okay? These are all kind of a movie, kind of creative license. These people are known to each other. They're involved in a satanic society. And, of course, I, like you, don't want to believe this exists because it's, you know, not for civilians. It doesn't exist. This is the one real secret society. And we have to look for their outlines and what they do because uh, I've never been to one of these. Otherwise, uh, you can't trust me. These people are not to be trusted. And what is their goal? Well, their goal is to eliminate Judeo-Christianity from planet Earth. That's what their goal is. And that's what we're going to be talking about today about the, 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 the mother of all secret societies. And as I said, the rest of them, hey, secret, what great marketing. Because, you know, it's not really a secret to get a PhD. 
It's just so few of us go through that process that we really don't know what that is all about. That makes it a secret to everybody else. I was talking about classical music. I'm trained in that society. I, I know that I have real specialized knowledge about how that works, that, reg, you know, people that aren't in that, you know, subculture, they just don't know it. And and what do all these cultures have in common? And this is what I, I want to bring out to you. This is why the political parties are so important. This is about taking an idea and making it into reality. It's about changing the nature of human affairs, of human reality. That's why secret societies exist. They're not just there arbitrarily. They are there with a goal. They have a mission. The people in these societies know what that mission is, and they are empowered to pursue those missions, those goals, those ends. That's what they do. While the rest of us are, like I say, getting up in the morning, trying to pay the bills, take care of our kids, you know, going to work, trying to have a little free time afterwards, these people are tireless in working towards their goal. Like, I've become tireless, and I am trained. So I have that access to that energy. Remember, when I say well-being, okay, well-being, well-being is a state of mind, body, and spirit where you have access to the energy that you need to accomplish your mission, whatever that may be. I'm not here to determine your mission. But if you're tired and you're ill and your physical or mental or spiritual condition is getting between you and the goals you want to accomplish, you can improve your well-being. And that's what I would like our schools, our government, our political parties, our families, our churches, our all the institutions of our world could, could. It's possible that every single human being is taught the process of creativity. But we're not. They don't teach us that. Because that would be very difficult to govern and control. If everyone had a relationship with the natural way, which is one way of saying it, or with Christ, which is another way of saying it, or with Yahweh, another way, or Allah, another way. If everyone had a way to interface with truth and it empowered them, oh my goodness gracious, we wouldn't need as many attorneys. That whole thing might disappear. We wouldn't need the doctors. We certainly wouldn't need this kind of government. We wouldn't need police. The whole institution of our world is based on the majority of people being disempowered and having to rely on experts to live their lives. This is not freedom. This is not freedom. This is tyranny, and it's been growing for hundreds of years, and we're at a watershed moment where we, the people, have to decide do we want to be free? Do we even know what freedom is? We need to rediscover that. And we have this group of people. Oh, they're very organized, okay? We got another group, the religious institutions. They were supposed to, you know, there was a secret society. Anybody here a rabbi or a priest or an imam? Then you know how much training and work goes to getting those titles you have to work your way through a religious infrastructure of training, of discipline. 
You're reviewed by peers. You're reviewed by seniors. Then you just don't go down to the store, you know, and buy a bishop's co you know, costume. Well, you can buy a costume, but it doesn't mean anything. If you're really a bishop, you earned it. You earned it. Now, these, these, these secret societies, the religious secret societies, they were supposed to maintain faith, and they were supposed to minister to the well-being of the people. But, you know, human nature being what it is, corruption is everywhere. And from time to time, we have to, we have to refresh our institutions. I think Thomas Jefferson said the tree of liberty is, uh, what is it, watered with the, the blood of tyrants or something along that. I mean, from time to time, I mean, we just have to get it together again. And uh, I think Malcolm X said a very similar thing. And we're at that moment now where we're going to have to work first to understand what freedom is because, you know, that's been erased. That's been erased by Darwinists who teach our kids. In fact, freedom is probably racist. Probably they're teaching my children that any, any talk of freedom, and I, and I know this is true, okay, I'm not making it up. I mean, you can go figure it out for yourself. Some of our founding documents now, when you go to the National Archive, it says, you know, careful when you read this, it's a racist document in our National Archive. So this Darwinist sentiment is everywhere. They've won the day. You know, my, I've said this before. My grandfather said to, 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 to fix a problem, first you have to understand the problem. The first thing we have to understand as American people is that Darwinists are everywhere. We're Darwinists. This philosophy is everywhere, okay? It's been spread out by the likes of people like this Sir Bertrand Russell. Now, we talked a little bit about who he was, and he was an apostle, you know, and he had all these people around him like John Maynard Keyes, Keynes, who is, uh, you know, the greatest, alleged to be the greatest economist, who's the one who says the government intervenes in the markets. That's why we're printing all this money, because, you know, the markets aren't working. <laughs> they didn't tell you the punchline. They're not letting the markets work because at the end of the day, they want to take everything from everybody. They're great. These people from these secret societies are liars. They believe that they're smarter than we are, and they have the right to manipulate us. And, you know, that's why I say we got a 50-50 polity. We're being manipulated. We're not 50-50. Come on. That, that doesn't seem right. Why can't we all get together on an idea of the humanity of homo sapiens and survival and well-being? That should be an 80% deal. And then we're just going to have the Nazis and the eugenicists and the Darwinists and the Satanists. They're going to be a small group, and we'll let them come before the truth commissions and explain to us why they want to kill us. Why do we know they want to kill us? Well, we don't got to go back that far. Let's just start World War II. The Nazis killed millions and millions of people in a systematic and industrialized fashion because they were subhuman. This is not up for dispute. Does anybody disagree with me? Because if, you know, get in touch with me, we got to go through it. Because there's documentary evidence that this happened, and the Nazis wrote down why they did it. They did it because of eugenics. We know they did it. It's not up for debate. If you want to debate it, you're on your own track. We have to be able to find uh, an agreement, not that we know exactly what the truth is, but we can get close enough to the truth that we can come up with some kind of social agreement. This is a documented fact. Now, if the Nazis had won, if they'd won World War II, hey, they probably would have covered it up. 
it would have been done completely differently because the victors write the history. So, for example, if the Darwinists win the day, these intellectuals, if they win the day, we're going to have one description of COVID-19, one description about this vaccination program, one description about lockdowns and masks and, you know, how humanity came together to survive this deadly pestilence. And if they lose, we're going to have a completely different story about it. Remember those street corners? An accident seen by four different people from four different corners. You're going to get four different descriptions of what happened. And in the secret societies, they manipulate it. They actually are good at manipulating it. So we got all these people at Cambridge that were hanging around with Sir Bertrand Russell. Had the Fabian Society. Remember what, what we stand for, the Fabians. International cooperation. That'd be globalism. Sustainable development. That'd be population control. Collective action. These people are really, really sophisticated in what they do. They're educated. They're PhDs. They're paid by the crown or by the U.S. government. Well, you know, I grew up in that environment. My father worked four hours a week. He had to teach this. You know, he was a professor at the University of Minnesota. Great professor. Renowned. Taught two two-hour classes a week. That was it. And he had four hours a week of uh, office hours where students could come sit down with him. So he was at the university eight hours a week. I, I worked 70, 80 hours a week. He worked. No, he would say, and I love my dad, he would say he worked, and he did. He read constantly, and he held court at our house, and students came and sat at it, literally sat on the floor at his feet, and he pontificated to them. And he was very, very uh, insightful, and I've, I've tried to give him the honor that he deserves because he went after Spencer and, and Galton and these people as racists because they were. He got it. He understood that their philosophy under was the underpinnings of Nazism. He got it, and he went after it. So the fact that he was a leftist means that leftists and rightists are really not in opposition to each other. We've been made to oppose each other. We've been constructed into a, a car accident of, of hatred, which prevents us from talking. Now, my father was a leftist, a leftist. But if you heard me talking about racism and anti-Semitism and eugenics and Darwinism, we wouldn't have any argument at all. In fact, I learned a lot of it from him by osmosis, just being a young kid listening. So we had all these people that popped out of this, this uh, period here where Sir Bertrand Russell emerged. And let's just go to this piece, Russell on Globalism and Scientism, and stop it at about 2.35. Let's, let's get into Mr. Russell a little bit. Oh, stop that just for a second. Did you see those flags? Start that one more time. Look at those flags Mr. Russell is putting up there. There's the Nazi flag, the flag of the rising sun, that's the Japanese empire. And the, this, this is what, now look, this was before World War II. I want to put this in some framework. Look at what these people were promoting. Nazism, the empire of Japan, and the United States, three flags 
We're going to start this thing over from the beginning. This is fantastic. This is in the 30s. This is the beginning of the New World Order. Russell was the first spokesperson of the New World Order. He's Yuval Noah Harari 1.0. Okay, look at that. That says it all who these people are. Please continue. Ladies and gentlemen, I am now at the conclusion of what is very likely my last tour in your country. I have traveled from coast to coast and visited large numbers of cities and towns, great and small. If it should be my last visit, I shall regret it, as I have made in the course of my travels many valued friends. I have been impressed by the fortitude and the hopeful, constructive spirit with which your country is facing its share in the worldwide depression. Bad as things may be with you, they are not so bad as they are in my own country, not so bad as they are in Germany. Your country, it seems to me, is being stimulated by these difficult times to a constructive effort of thought and to the creation of a greater unity in our civilization than it has hitherto had. I believe that it is by that road that our civilization must travel. If we are not to have a repetition, perhaps in an even aggravated form, of the troubles from which the world is suffering at the present time. If these hard times do lead, as I fully believe they will, to such a constructive and unifying effort, the sufferings which many are enduring now will not have been endured in vain. There will emerge, as I hope and as I believe, a world with greater security, with greater hope, a world in which men will profit by the inventions of science, and not, as too often happens now, suffer through what ought to be a means of human happiness. Stop it just for a second. See, now, this is a long time ago. This is the 30s. We can see what Bertrand Russell is promoting. Science. Scientism. That human suffering will be alleviated through science. Remember we said there's two groups here. The community of faith believes human suffering is alleviated through faith. These people started to promote science as the way to alleviate human suffering. There it is announced in the 30s. Please continue. If this should occur, then I think we may hope that future generations will enjoy the fruits of our thought and our effort. It is this hope, above all, that should buoy us up in the difficult period through which we are passing. That's very good. Now, he was a Fabian, and the Fabians believed that the radical change that they sought, which, it, you know, it's quite clear to me that these people had a technocratic goal all the way back to Galton that they were envisioning, and, you know, we know it because of science fiction novels and, you know, Brave New World and the War of the Worlds, and they had this vision long before the technology was there. 
of creating the technology which allowed the human intellect to evolve Homo sapiens. They've been working on this for a couple hundred years, these people, these mad scientists, and they're mad. These people believe that to achieve their goals, they have to remove faith and faith-based people from the body politic. That's their whole secret society goal. They've got two goals. Number one, get rid of the opposition. And the best way to get rid of the opposition is to lead it. That's why we have so much corruptions in the churches and the synagogues and the mosques, because these people went in. These people are so organized, and they have so much resource, because, of course, they're funded by the crown, okay? Hey, go be a bishop. When you get in there, take them in the Darwinist direction. Change all the rules. Break down the traditional rituals that transmitted culture over thousands of years. Break them. And that's why I've said in the last hundred years, we're overthrowing 6,000 years of cultural transmission. Okay? That's what those symphony orchestras are about, transmitting culture. But we don't listen to symphonies anymore here in the United States. We listen to pop music or rap music. You know, it's a, it's, it's not really, a, you know, it's good. I like it. I, I like to dance to it. I give it a 10. I can dance to it. Anytime I work out, I'm always listening to some kind of drum, bass, you know, drum and, and bass-laden music because it helps me move. But it's not like Shostakovich Symphony Number no. 5. I know that because here's another little secret for you. I play the piano. I can sing. I play rock and roll. So I'm actually in a position to judge, okay? Not that many people are. And I can make a judgment, which is uh, more fully invested with the power to transmit over time. Are the Beatles going to be around 500 years from now? Probably. Maybe not. If we have a society, I guarantee you Bach will be, Beethoven will be, and Shostakovich will be. Is George Michael going to be around 500 years from now? No, he's not. He's going to be forgotten. Most of you already probably forgot him, okay? So this whole thing with Russell with him bringing forth the scientific method as the, as the um, antidote to human suffering, you just watched it. Now, I ask myself when I can find things like this on YouTube, why is that there? Why is that there? Because there's an argument that could be made that that should be scrubbed. First of all, nobody knows who this guy is. This, I'm going to say this again, and I will say it many more times. It doesn't come any more important than Bertrand Russell. Yoval Noah Harari would wish that he could be this important. This guy was important. Did you notice his eyes? A little bit Charlie Manson eyes. A little bit. That's because he was involved in secret societies. He was all jacked up. And he lived to a very ripe old age. Very ripe. This guy got a lot of damage done in one lifetime. Secret societies. Was he involved in the ultimate secret society? I don't know. We're going to talk about that. The real secret society. The Fabians aren't that secret. We don't know. Who, we, we can actually look up who the Fabians are. The apostles. We know what they did. They wrote it down. Let's go to this next piece. Sir Bertrand Russell, why are you not a Christian? This is an interesting one. Why are you not a Christian? Because I see no evidence whatever 
or any of the Christian dogmas. I've examined all the stock arguments in favor of the existence of God, and none of them seem to me to be logically valid. Do you think there's a practical reason for having um, a religious belief for, for many people? Well, there can't be a practical reason for believing what isn't true. Uh, that's quite... Stop that, please. Please stop that. You know, this guy was so renowned. He just goes, well, religion's not true. Believe me. He had that much authority. Look at that face. Look at that face. Hey, mm, okay, please continue. At least I rule it out as impossible. Either the thing is true or it isn't. If it is true, you should believe it. And if it isn't, you shouldn't. And uh, if you can't find out whether it's true or whether it isn't, you should suspend judgment. But you can't, uh, it seems to me, a fundamental dishonesty and fundamental treachery to intellectual integrity to hold a belief because you think it's useful and not because you think it's true. Well, I was thinking of those people who find that um, some kind of religious code helps them to live their lives. It gives them a very strict set of rules, the rights and the wrongs. Yes, but you Do know, those rules are generally quite mistaken. Let's stop again. Yep, the rules of the religious code are generally quite mistaken. Thank you, Sir Bertrand Russell. Okay, great. That's where we're at. This is the guy that, you know, this was the harbinger. He was the first salesman of the New World Order. Please continue. Uh, great many of them do more harm than good. And uh, it would, they would probably be able to find a rational morality that they could live by if they dropped this uh, irrational traditional taboo morality that comes down from savage ages. Stop again. Oh, savage ages. Okay, so those people that, you know, come, the ancients, they were savages. I don't know. This guy lived through, I don't know, if it was 88 million people killed during World War II? Oh, that sounds so refined and so civilized, okay? This guy, in, in, in this short little bit, is undermining everything religious and making it sound like it's just a rational... He says it's a rational conclusion. Let's come up with a rational morality. A rational morality. Like, based on human intellect. I wonder what that is. Please continue. But are we, uh, perhaps, the ordinary person, perhaps isn't strong enough to find this own personal ethic? They have to have something imposed upon them from outside. Oh, I don't think that's true. And what is imposed on you from outside is of no value, whatever. It doesn't count. Well, you were brought up, of course, as a Christian. When did you first decide that you did not want to remain a believer in the Christian ethic? I never decided that I didn't want to remain a believer. I decided between the ages of 15 and 18, I spent almost all my spare time thinking about Christian dogmas and uh, trying to find out whether there was any reason to believe them. And by the time I was 18, I discarded the last of them. Do you think that that gave you an extra strength in your life? Oh, I don't know. No, I shouldn't have said so. Neither, neither extra strength nor the opposite. I mean, I was just uh, engaged in the pursuit of knowledge. As you um, approach the uh, end of life, do you have any fear of some kind of afterlife, or do you feel that that is just an oh, impossibility? No, no, I think that's nonsense. There is no afterlife? None, whatever. Do you have any fear of something that uh, is common amongst atheists and agnostics, who have been atheists or agnostics all their lives, who are converted 
just before they die, to a form of, of religion. Well, you know, it doesn't happen nearly as often as religious people think it does. Because religious people, most of them, think that it's a virtuous act to tell lies about the deathbeds of agnostics and such. Uh, as a matter of fact, it doesn't happen very often. Oh, these religious people are such liars. You know, uh, in the academic tradition that I was brought up in, for me even to question this guy would be considered a heresy in that intellectual world. Bertrand Russell's totally, totally living to undermine faith. And, you know, as a young man, raised in the crown's intellectual tradition of Galton and Spencer and Darwin, he didn't come into it with a lot of uh, support for any kind of religious sensitivity he might have developed. And I think it's important for people to realize that um, uh, when you have an on and off switch in your brain, off means there's no God, on means you're open to God. If you start out with the off switch on, excuse me, if you start out with the switch turned off, let me make this clear, it's pretty hard, takes a lot of work, and it's, you have to really labor at it to develop those connections. This is what secret societies do. He could have just as easily entered a Catholic seminary at the age of 18, and he could have been a phenomenal spokesperson for faith. But what he was doing at 18, time to take the money, went off to Cambridge, became part of the Apostles, and he went on the payroll of the Crown because there was economic rewards for being a Darwinist. What's the reward for being a person of faith? That's the whole struggle in our political system. If you're a Darwinist, you can get paid off. You get an immediate, tangible, material reward for supporting Darwinism. But if you support a spiritual dimension to life, I mean, what do you get out of that? And I'm going to tell you what you get out of it. Well-being. Human well-being and the ability to be creative to create reality. And what are we told? Hey, we're just little sheep. Stay in our lane. Don't think too big. Don't do that. Just take care of your little life. We're not going to teach you how to be a creative person because if we taught you how to be well and to be creative, you wouldn't need doctors. You wouldn't need lawyers. You wouldn't be in conflict with the people around you. You might not even need a religious institution you would be free and you would be well. You would not be controllable because you would be seeking the answers within yourself. You see the scam here? If you're into statist government, which has complete control of the people, in an effort to evolve the species, and I'm going to say you can go back and look at it with me. These people have been working on this for hundreds of years to solve the problem of human suffering by eliminating homo sapiens. That's their solution can't get out of this suffering, I guess the situation requires positive eugenics. You, first of all, you have to remove God, okay? So now we get down to the real. Do you understand the scam here? You cannot convince people who believe that God created man and woman in the Genesis story, that God gave man dominion over all things, but the authority comes from a higher power. You can't convince those people 
to buy your scientific program because science is there just to create human well-being, not to evolve homo sapiens. That's God's dimension. That's God's world. These two worlds are really uh, in conflict, right? Their aims are in conflict. The spiritual is about reconciling yourself to God, reconciling yourself one to another, finding faith and living your life humbly and in service to an unseen power. And the reward of which is well-being and intangible. The other group said, hey, 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 come on. Not everybody gets well-being. Let's pass out some, some spoils of war. Well, why don't get people? But why don't we get well-being? Takes work. Takes daily practice. Takes someone teaching you and mentoring you in the art of well-being. I personally think if I was given the power to change this society, the first thing I would do is go into the schools and I would make well-being the connection of man to the natural way the number one core issue in the curriculum. But we, we don't teach that. That's not taught. Maybe we get a little phi ed, a little physical education, which is great. And we got sports, which is really Darwinism, because what is sports? It's uh, survival of the fittest. Do we really teach people the potential of their own creativity and their own well-being, their own connection to the natural way? No, we do not teach that, because it makes independent people that are self-governing. You see, our founding documents in their majesty created the conditions by which people can self-govern. They can live in harmony with nature. They are, they are, they embody, they're imbued with natural rights from a creator. Health, happiness, you know, freedom, liberty, life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, health, well-being, creativity. That's the beauty of those documents. And we've fallen so far from educating our children and educating ourselves. We can start on this at any age. Oh, I'm 80 years old. I'm taking heart pills. I'm, don't do anything without consulting your physician. But take a walk if you can. Go outside, breathe. Learn how to breathe. We can talk about these things. These are actually scientific methodologies of connecting man to the natural way. They are not mystical. They're only mystical because they're controlled by secret societies. Let's rip all those secret societies down, and let's make this available to everyone, okay? Don't you think it's better than uh, making ill health and disease available to everybody? Come on. Let's get together with the new political ideology about well-being. We're going to get 80% of the people agreeing that this is the way to go. We don't have to worry about electioneering. we got to worry about the message that's going to bring the American people together at a time of great change. Great change. Great change is great opportunity. Okay? That's from our Chinese brothers and sisters. When they have the concept of change, they know it's very dangerous, but it's also laden with great opportunity. We have a phenomenal opportunity in human history to, to um, 
uh, bring forth a new way of being, which is a, you know, something we can all get together on. Now, what is Russell really working on? He's really saying that the human intellect is the only thing that matters because there is no God. Sounds a little satanic, right? But let's just read what he's working against. This is from Proverbs. And I'm not here to thump the Bible. I'm here to bring forth what are the dynamics at play here. This is from Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You see how this is exactly the opposite of what Russell is promoting as the first spokesperson of the New World Order. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and God will direct your path. Be wise. Be not wise. Excuse me. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear God and depart from evil. And it will be health to your navel, that's your center, and marrow to thy bones. And this is the this is the Old Testament, right? Now, there's a concept in, in Asian culture, it's called the Dantian. Uh, it's two inches below the navel. It's the center of all movement, and it's you know, esoterically believed to be the center of all energy. Human energy is centered there. And there's all these rituals and techniques to enhance that energy center. Sounds a little bit out there. Try it. It'll give you great health. And it's right in Proverbs, which has nothing to do with China. Be not wise in thy own eyes. In other words, don't think too much. Don't think too much. Feel. Fear the Lord. That's a feeling. And depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel. Come on, isn't that strange that they came up with this, a bunch of primitives? Thousands of years ago, they knew that the health was in the navel. Do we teach that to our children? Do any of our children have a class? They come home from college, they go, Dad, I got the greatest class I'm taking next semester. Oh, honey, what is it? Dantian training. Really? What's that? It never comes up. Because they want us to think. It's all up here. And we wonder why we're unbalanced and we have all these physical maladies. We don't know how to feel anymore. We've lost our natural movement. We've lost our ability to self-govern. And we're doubling down on it with each successive generations. We're becoming digitized. We live in a digital world. Soon we are going to be not human. That's the question of the day. That's the politics of tomorrow today. Do we want to be participating in an intellectual and political movement that aims at evolving Homo sapiens to a new species, a digitized species, that is artificial intelligence and biotechnology? Do we want to go there and clip out all these sheep because they're just in the way now? Or do we want to maintain a traditional fear of the natural way, call it God, and a connection to nature which makes us human beings. That's the only, to me, personally, my I statement, that's the only politics that matters to me. So there is a secret society, one real secret society. And how do I know about it? Well, I've had the misfortune of uh, running into it. And, you know, I could say it ran into me. And, uh, 
very difficult for me, terrible memories. Uh, I saw people tremendously injured. It was, you know, it was a, a governmental thing that I w- was also involved in. It, it wasn't just a, a happenstance. I mean, it was a, something that gave me a view into something that was uh, horrifying. And it took me many decades to kind of make sense of this. And now I look back and I say, okay, I'd had this experience so that I could talk to you today. Because, of course, if you and I are on horseback in, say, 1450, and we're going down a trail, and let's say we're bad hombres. I mean, we're tough guys, got our swords on. We're ready to get down. And we're going down the trail. We got something we want to get done. And we have this vision in our mind. And we're living it out. And we come to a fork in the road. And at that fork in the road, there is uh, six bodies, heads taken off, on posts, upside down, heads on the posts, ghastly scene. And here's what I say to my pal. I don't think we want to go down this this path. Looks a little dangerous. Don't you think they're giving us a sign? And my pal might say to me, you know, I think you're right. There must be another way to go. Okay, so that's the first thing to understand this real secret society, which is this anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-faith society. When we say anti-Christ or we say satanic, we're giving these people way too much power. These people are scientists, Darwinists. They're just removing religion and faith in God so that they can turn us into sheep, okay? Let's not give them power they don't deserve. What they're doing is disempowering the people so they can control us. That's it. So all we have to do to defeat them is take back our personal power. That's why I keep saying get involved. Be powerful. Don't complain. Complaining is not powerful. Complaining is venting. If if 50% of the American people plus one got involved, all these problems would be solved one election cycle. But as long as they keep us fighting and hating and complaining and pissing and moaning, they're just going to keep doing what they do, which is entrenching this digitized technocracy, which we're going to keep talking about because it's very political. I mean, it involves our currency. It involves our economy. It involves what our children are doing with their time, what's being taught in school. I mean, They're really advanced with this while we're just trying to catch up. Well, it's very simple to catch up. Empower yourself. They're in a secret society that is aimed at disempowering we the people. That's it. And why are they working on America so hard? Because we have a constitution that says a creator granted us certain unalienable rights. Well, they think they're alienable. They don't want us to have the freedom of pursuing life. They want to get that one out of the way, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They don't want that. they got to clip us out to get to their goal, which is to evolve homo sapiens. Now, I know there's going to be people who are going to say, whoop, he's lost it. Please go read their stuff. I mean, I didn't just come up with this, you know, in a fit of uh, frenzy, like on a drug trip. I didn't, no, that's not me. I've been reading this and been involved in this my entire adult life. When I say there is a God, It's because I have that experience, and I know how to replicate it for you. Our religious institutions are not replicating for people. They're not showing people a process whereby they can become connected to the natural way. So if you're not connected, it's easy for someone to come and say, hey, that's bullshit. Follow me. We'll give you money. You know, we're trading our freedom for materialism and security. That's that's really what this is all about. All these levels come down to the same thing. They've got to get 
the people of faith out of the way to achieve their goal of controlling we the people. Okay, that's it. Well, how are they doing it? Well, there is a secret society. There is one secret society, and I'm not, I'm not doing, now let me say this again. I'm not doing this to be a Bible thumper, because I'm not. That's not who I am. We're talking about cultures and ideologies and how they interact one with another. Why do you have a secret society? I said this last time. You have a secret society if the ideas that you have in your head that you want to operationalize into reality are so divergent from the norm that if you went out in the street corner and started talking about it, they'd stone you to death, okay? That's where we're coming from traditionally. Can you imagine in 1867, right after the Civil War, if a bunch of people had jumped up and said, we want to promote transgenderism? I mean, this is like ridiculous. That's why the Fabians talk about radical change in a gradual step-by-step manner. The, the, the radical change they seek is in their mind. They, they keep it in their secret society, have their rituals, and then they operationalize their soldiers to go out and step-by-step-by-step politically change our thinking and our landscapes so that they can achieve their goals. And we have to wake up. And, and part of the thing I want to say is we can form our own secret societies. They're not really secret. As I was saying, I have a whole bunch of people that meet with me every Saturday. All I'd have to do is say it was secret, and it would be standing room only. Because, you know, secret's great marketing, right? But there is one secret society, and it's an ancient society. And uh, it is born of the uh, subjugation of the natural, the, na- the nature religions of Northern Europe and of Europe by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was a conquering empire. It was a brutal empire. They call it the Holy Roman Empire. That was a scam. There was nothing holy about the Roman Empire, even when it started to uptake some proto-Christianity. That's another thing we can look into, because I don't think things happen, like, on and off. Like, one day, you know, there are a bunch of crucifying crazy Romans, and next day they're all Christians. It doesn't work like that. They picked up the mantle of Christianity because it was convenient for them, and they went across Europe all the way to England, and they just beat the urine out of a whole bunch of people and subjugated them, okay? And they use Christianity as part of it, you know, convert or die. So what does that mean to the people that are there under the knife, under the sword, convert or die? Well, you got a choice, die or convert. And that's not that simple because they didn't give up being who they were. They had their secret society. They had their religion, and they believed in it. And it had been around for thousands of years. They had just been defeated, conquered. So what did they do? Well, like all good freedom fighters, they went underground and tried to figure out how they could beat these Romans, who were Judeo-Christians now, okay? And what they did was they said, oh, who's the enemy of Christ? Oh, it's Satan. The priest told me all about it. They gave me their, whole, they gave me their roadmap. What did they do? They incorporated Satan into their pantheon of gods because they were polytheistic. Now they had the satanic energy and the satanic God and the satanic goals in their religion. And what was that goal? Get rid of Christ. Get rid of the Judeo-Christian belief in the monotheism, the one true God. Get rid of that. That's what subjugated us. Okay? Think about this. What I'm trying to lay out for you here is this battle goes back thousands of years, right? And there are people, just people like you and me, flesh and blood, 
that wanted to throw off the yoke of Christianity. Think about England. It, it you know, look at the history of England vis-a-vis the Roman Empire. Look at it. These people were pagans. Okay, they didn't want to give up their their traditional society for this foreign ideology that came out of Israel. Okay, this this they weren't into that. So they wanted to defeat it. And they did it with the intellect. Go back to the Adam and Eve story. The knowledge of good and evil was that apple. So they've used their intellect to overcome what they believed was a colonizing force of conquest. And they went about it very, very systematically. And they were well-financed to do it, and they're doing it to this very day. They're doing it in our schools. Darwin's theory of evolution, now I'm not doing this to thump the Bible. So anybody that's going to get down on me about this, get off of it right now. I'm doing this to show and to share how a new religion called humanism is refuting the Judeo-Christian culture, which has dominated West, the West for thousands of years. These people are a religion, and they are destroying systematically all the pillars upon which the Judeo-Christian root of our culture rests. They're, they're destroying it. The theory of evolution is a creation myth. It supplants Genesis. It makes Genesis, you know, like Bertrand Russell. Well, this stuff's just not proven. It's not proven. It's obviously false. You know, a little bit satanic if you think about it. If you think about what Russell was saying, if you go back and listen to what I played last time for Russell and what I played this time, what he's doing is he is undermining Judeo-Christianity, and he's doing it with great intellectual style. But actually, from my perspective, at this point in my life, he sounds like a creep, like a little like a little peddler on the street. But when I was 17, 18 years old, and somebody said, if God is omnipotent, why does he allow people to sin? That, that kind of crossed my gears up for a while. I had to figure that one out. Because if you haven't thought about it, and you don't know the, the religious, that's a really great argument. Why would a loving God make people suffer? That's why a lot of people lost their faith after World War II. How could a loving God allow a Holocaust to suffer? He, people to suffer in a Holocaust. This guy was right in the middle of this, refuting faith. Slavery, slavery, the concept of slavery, this, this concept reverses the natural rights granted by a creator, which is, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Do you see how they're using this slavery thing to make these beautiful words irrelevant? We hold these truths to be self-evident. They're obvious. We can feel them, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Slavery is being used to invalidate this. They're being in, slavery is being used to invalidate a, for, a formative document that rests upon a creator granting natural rights. I, I kind of like the, the idea that I can pursue life, liberty, and happiness. I don't want that to be subverted. 
I just heard a, a young uh, activist say, I don't care what these people were thinking of back then. Works for me. Guy was in his early 30s. Beautiful. I'm not getting into this woman's right to choose issue. But traditionally, God had dominion over life and death. Now, young women do. That's kind of a change, isn't it? We had a guy, an unseen guy in the sky. Yes, I get it. If you've never met him and you don't know him, it's just a concept that you can't prove. But traditionally, for thousands of years, God had dominion over life and death. We prayed to God to be in some secret societies. People pray to be inscribed in the book of life. They have a belief about it, that their life is in the hand of God. Now it's in the hands of young women. It's a change. Kind of invalidates that concept that God is the master of life and death. The sexual freedom. Hey, all you boomers out there, what a great ride that was. But it kind of invalidated the idea of marriage and family, didn't it? Kind of invalidated the bedrock of how you create a religious community. Because as Russell said, you know, these, these ideas from the savages really aren't good for us. Well, let's look at ourselves and say, is life better now? You, you people, boomers, does life look better to you now? All this ill health, all these people on psychotropic drugs? How, are we really getting better? I mean, that, that's an important question for the people that have some, some uh, perspective on this over time. My producer's 22 years old. He has no perspective. He doesn't know what it was like in 1965. He might have been told it was terrible then. I was there. It was great compared to now. People were healthier. They were stronger. They were more resilient. Now, were there racists in our midst? Of course. There was all kinds of problems. But people were generally healthier. <clears throat> and they were healthier because they grew their own food. Yeah, you could even smoke cigarettes because, you know, your food was a lot better. Let's blame all the ill health on, can on all the, can it's the cigarettes. Let's forget about all the industrialization and all those chemicals. Let's blame cigarettes. Let's blame the cigarette people. It's all their fault. Who are we blaming now? Cows. We're blaming the cows. You know, homosexuality, homosexuality is, it was forbidden, and I want to say this. I believe that uh, my Constitution and your Constitution preserves and protects the rights of every American citizen. But without a question of a doubt, this was a big change to aggrandize this in a way that it's being done today. And, I'm, and I am not taking an anti-homosexual position. I'm talking about how cultures interact with each other. When one is conquered, you pull out and you destroy the fundamentals of that culture, and that's what's being done. Environmentalism reverses man's dominion over all things. You know, you got Genesis 126, and God said, let us make man in our image. That's creativity. After our likeness, which is creativity. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay, again, I'm not thumping the Bible. I'm saying humanism is a religion that is supplanting the previous five or 6,000 years of tradition. You may think it's a good idea. Let's talk about it. But if humanism is about the human intellect, and the outgrowth of that's going to be 
the evolution of Homo sapiens such that Homo sapiens get clipped out, get killed, get genocided out of the game? Hey, maybe we need to review who these people are and what they're up to. Maybe this new religion that we're all part of is very anti-Christ, very anti-human, and intends to kill us. Let us look at the source material together. That's what we're going to do. Don't take my word for it. Let's go listen to what these people have to say. Sustainability reverses the eating of meat. Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he promised you and you say, I will eat meat because you crave meat, you may eat meat whenever you desire. Oh, no, you can't because the cows are killing the planet. Can't eat meat anymore. Get off of that. It's killing the planet. Environmental, terrible. Can't eat meat. Materialism has supplanted the Sabbath day. You know, when I was a kid, there was nothing open on Sundays. And I mean nothing. You couldn't buy gas. There was no malls, no gas day. Everybody stayed home with their... Everybody got up in the morning, went to church, came home, had breakfast. I couldn't even play in the neighborhood on Sundays. Nobody was allowed to go out. Sundays was a stay-at-home day with family. Forgotten. Why? Because what do we do on Sundays? We zip on down to the mall and spend money, okay? Remember the Sabbath, Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But on the seventh day, it is the Sabbath day of the Lord. It, in it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy servant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Hey, guess what? We don't do that anymore. We have a new culture. It's based on materialism, which is rung into this humanism. All that material stuff we buy is based on a scientific technique, which Russell was telling about us. Hey, in the future, science is going to alleviate human suffering. What he didn't tell you was the secret part of it. It was ultimately going to alleviate human suffering by eliminating humans. Now we know what the story is. Again, Go find it for yourself. I am not asking you to take my word for it. I'm asking you to go look for this. We're going to look for it together. These people are not hiding. We played Yuval Noah Harari, who said, the biggest problem facing us today politically is the 2 to 3 billion unnecessary people. What do you do with 2 to 3 billion unnecessary people? Well, I'll tell you what the Nazis decided to do. They decided to kill them in a very industrialized fashion. People are Nazis. They're Darwinists. They're humanists. And at the core, the one secret society that's running the whole thing, they're Satanists. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. can't serve them both. You have to choose. That's why I played that thing where Moses said, if you're with the Lord, come over here. So here's where we're at. Without getting Bible-ish, because I don't want to do that because it alienates people. I really want to just talk about a spiritual life, a connection to the natural way. If we could get into the Bible, I mean, I would say I believe in God, and I'm thoroughly trained in the Bible, another secret society. But... Be that as it may, we gotta we got to start where we're, where we're at. We're dominated by a Darwinist scientific technocracy. Let's not say it's coming, 
It's been here for a long time. It has taken over every institution, the universities, the high schools, the grade schools, Hollywood, every globalist corporation, you know, our sports leagues. This is everywhere. And we don't even know it because we grew up in it and we get benefits from it. We get material benefits from it. So it's okay with us. Hey, as long as I'm on the payroll, why should I care? I'm just taking what's there for me, picking the low-hanging fruit. Except that they've taken away our freedom. We don't know how to live independently or interdependently. Our health is shot. We're spending what $12,900 a year on health care for every man, woman, and child in the country. $12,900 a year for every living person in the United States of America for health care? That's unwell. That is seriously unwell. We have gun violence everywhere, and we're blaming the guns. Come on. A gun is a hunk of metal. We got people that are so goofy in their heads, they think they can go into a school and kill children. And I want to tell you, in China, they don't have guns. People that are goofy in their heads, they go in and they stab these kids to death. This is mental perversion of the highest level. Why? Because if you take the faith of a child, you're damned. And these people are damning themselves. They are soldiers in an anti-spiritual army on a worldwide basis. Nuclear bombs take the power of life and death. And they still want to put this in the hands of young women. They're being used. The real power to kill everything all at once is our scientists who have pushed this nuclear weapons technology to the point that with the press of a button, everything's destroyed and we have to live like animals in rubble. So let's not be blaming young women and their desires to steward their own lives and to paddle their own canoes. They're being used. They're being used, and they're being used like cigarettes are being used. Cigarettes are not killing us alone. It's everything, the whole thing. They're just, look over here. This is a magician's trick, okay? Look over here at these cigarettes whilst we kill you in all these other ways. Oh, let's look at these right-to-choose people. They're the problem. No, they're not the problem. It's these scientists, which, by the way, are in the profit stream of all the abortions. The same people. Nuclear science engineer, doctor that does abortion, same person. Let's not be blaming people. Let's get down to the real causes of what's happening in our society today. Let's form a politics together that's about human well-being. Let's work it through. Let's find a message that is good for everyone except the most hardcore Darwinists that want to evolve past Homo sapiens. Let's get those people out on an edge and let's isolate them, identify them, and let them come before the Truth Commission and tell the people why we have to die. Okay, that's what I want. I want them to tell me why I have to die as a Homo sapien so they can live as a new species. Please explain it to me. I'm open. Come before the Truth Commission. We've got to get to these people. And you know what? We don't have any time. Please go do your research. Please take the time to start going through while it's still there. Because I'm going to tell you with artificial intelligence, these little messages from the past, where we can ferret out, not a good word, where we can discern 
and explore and find truth, they're going to be cleaned. They're going to clean these things up. We have to buy books. We have to preserve human knowledge. We have to preserve the cultural traditions of Western civilization, like the Secret Society of Classical Music, like Shostakovich. So on that note, thank you. This concludes the first uh, uh, series of the Professor Penn podcast where we're setting the predicate that we're living in a new religion, that this new religion is anti-human and it's anti-homo sapiens, that it is intending to solve the problem of human suffering by eliminating humans. Okay, that's my theory. Let's see in the podcast to come if we can support it. I welcome your comments and your questions, and I wish you a well day and a well week, and I look forward to seeing you soon again. I want to thank you very much, and please send this out. We don't have that much time to form our community. Thank you very much for joining me.